the beginning, there was darkness. But God said, let there be light. This was the beginning of creation and the story of our salvation. And there was light. When everything seemed lost, we got the promise of hope. A day will come where pain is gone. A baby shall be born. He'll be our living hope. He is coming with a precious gift. He shall come to bring us peace. A humble birth will shine on earth when our Savior born takes his first breath. Our Prince of Peace, mighty God, he is here. The light has come. Glory in the highest, the heavens sing, as the earth rejoices for the joy he brings. Let us praise his holy name. Rejoice together, for us he came. A divine scene unraveled that night as Mary and Joseph cuddled this child. This was a baby like no other. Swaddled in clothes, face uncovered, lay our king, the one who came to make us free. He came for the ones that have lost all hope, for his purpose was pure love, to give his life for our souls. We are no longer alone. Emmanuel, God is with us. Amen. So welcome to this Advent season. And I want to start with this statement. Christmas is actually for those who hate it most. Christmas is actually for those who hate it most. Uh, and I'll explain more of that later. Um, if you are new to Advent, um, this is an ancient Latin word uh, made up of two words, ad meaning to and vent meaning come. And so the word Advent in the Latin actually means to come. Um, and Advent, we are remembering God's coming in Jesus. And we look back to the first coming. This is why we slow down this rhythm intentionally to focus our attention on Jesus and what he brought in his first coming so that we can build and renew for his second coming. We can renew and build ourselves. It's hope with our first week, uh, joy, uh, peace, and love. And we want to get in touch with these felt experiences to renew them in our lives um, in the in-between of waiting. Because we are in, and it feels like, a season of longing. We are in this dash moment, this moment where we are longing for something to come into our lives. And for many of you, you may be a North Pole longing kind of person. And North Pole, I mean that you love Christmas, right? You can't wait. As soon as it turns September, you're kind of like itching in some of the music while no one else is around. And you're already preparing and looking the decor for your room, right? And you're psycho. I just need to tell you that today. You need prayer. You need help. 
um, you are North Pole and you are already cranking out the songs of, of just the joy of all that Christmas is. But maybe today you're also, you may be someone who's a Christmas of South Pole. Um, actually, you're longing for this season to be over. And you're longing for this moment because in this moment of season, you are reminded of what you do not have. Loss of a family member, a broken relationship, and all this sense of where we gather around family, you realize the division that you have or the loss that you have. And you're just like, can we just get past this? For me, uh, Rach, um, we actually experienced our first miscarriage yesterday, uh, 11 years ago. Uh, and, and so because of that, it actually propelled us into a Christmas season where we just wanted to get through. We were just like, yeah, we're celebrating with you, but can we just get over what we've lost? And it took a long time for us to even come to a place of where we could find enjoyment. And our kids were a massive blessing in that area. But also Advent itself was a massive healing in our lives that brought to life that now I can celebrate. Hark the heralds, the angel has come. Glory to the newborn king. Like that song now can resonate in our our lives but we all have ache in our life if we're honest we all have an ache in our life that things are not as they should be just turn on the media for a couple of hours and you'll be filled with the reality of the world is not as it should be there is a image bearer inside of you that bears the image of God and that spark inside of you resonates that this is not how it should be. And we, we have this sense of lack, and we long for more. Almost as we were singing that Hark the Herald Angel song, who hunger, oh no, sorry, the Kingdom Come song. Those who hunger for more. Do you hunger for more in your life? Do you hunger for more of God in your life? Do we hunger right now? And that is the felt experience that Advent brings. And I want to invite you today to actually bring your brokenness to the surface today. I want you to bring to the surface where those doubts and those questions and those longings in your heart exist because this is what Advent is all about. And so we are going to go into our first uh, message today, which is hope. And so we're going to stand for the reading of the word today found in Luke Chapter 1, 26 to 28, we stand for the reading of the word to honor the word with our body, to inform it that this is holy and righteous texts. And so this passage reads, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. 
How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, who is old in age, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Let's pray. God, we are coming from all different spaces of a walk of life today. Lord, some busy, lots of to-do lists on the mind, jobs and expectations of what this season is to bring. And so, God, we choose right now to remove those distractions and come recenter ourselves on what the kingdom is all about. God, we long for your hope to restore us anew today. Holy Spirit, we open up our eyes, ears, hearts, and minds to what you have today. And we surrender our knowing and we say, God, would you inform us anew of what you want for my life? In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. So we need hope. Hope is one of those things that you would have heard the cliche saying that you can last 40 days without food, four days without water, but you can't go a minute without hope. And hope is the very foundation that we live for. We can have all the skill sets, all the knowledge, all the YouTube understanding. We can have all the relational equalities. We can have the influence, but all of it is pointless if we do not have hope. If we do not have something we can trust in to move us forwards, uh, we want to know it's important. And so we try to manufacture hope in our lives. And it can look like kind of three things. Hope to us, because we need it, can look like wishful thinking, positivity, statistics, or probability. So wishful thinking is like in Pennsylvania, I hope it's going to be a sunny day. That can be wishful thinking because majority it's overcast and uh, you actually have more rain than England, so well done. Um, and so sunny day can feel like that's wishful thinking. Or maybe snow on Christmas day. Or more practically, I hope I get an end of year bonus when I haven't put any extra work in whatsoever. God, would you supernaturally somehow create money into my life? Or there's the kind of blind positivity. We just kind of like that hopeful optimist and that's me in case you didn't know like I'm just that hopeful optimist that just like everything's just going to work out it's just going to be good and so I just have this hopeful positivity of the best is yet to come or maybe you're kind of a statistical probability kind of person so I hope the Steelers beat the Arizona Cardinals now the statistics are there 
They should be there because the ratio of the difference is there. I don't know if you're a Steelers fan or not, but that was just my uh, illustration there for you. Uh, I don't care for football. I've got my soccer team playing right now. And the probability of them beating Man City is very low. And so that's a, a kind of like wishful hoping on my team succeeding today. Uh, don't care if you don't care. There we go. Um, but I love this line. And so maybe you know this song from uh, Cornerstone Hill Song. This line I love. Me and Rachel are laughing about this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And that's a great line if we really did live that way. <laughs> because it is more like my hope is built on nothing less than my desires and expectations being met. Because if they aren't met, how quickly our hope just falls apart. Because hope, if we summarize these three, is hope on my terms. Based on my external realities of what I'm seeing coming to reality. My hopes in the physicality becoming my, what I expect. And that's why hope feels like it comes in waves. It feels like in one moment I can be so hopeful, right? Like I'm flying because all the things around me are just working out. And we can just be that hopeful person until it doesn't. When that issue of a job loss or a relationship breakdown or the boss trying to get all these things done and you're just like, there's no hope. There's no way any of this can happen. And quickly we become frustrated at ourselves when our worlds topple. When our worlds fall apart and we're just like, what was I even hoping in in the first place? What is the point? And I would say that actually hope like that is not biblical and is not what God has for our lives. This definition that we're going to be unpacking today, hope is the expectation of coming good based on the person and the promises of God. This is a really good definition. There are three parts to this that we're going to unlock. The expectation of coming good, number one. Based on the person, number two. And the promises of God, number three. And if you're writing notes, I would take them down. Uh, because to me, this really summarized, if I'm ever off on my hope, if I come back to this definition, I can find out where I am missing the plot. And so I'd encourage you, take notes in this message because like me, you will not remember it in a couple of hours. And so it just helps you because you'll come back. Why is my life falling apart? Didn't Johnny talk about hope? Oh yeah, that was a definition I was meant to write down. Probably would have helped. Yeah, it would have, yeah. You can text me. I'll give it to you as well again. But let's go back through the passage that we just read with this lens of hope. And so we have this amazing opening story. And try not to just hear this from your childlike state, but let the Holy Spirit speak something new to you today. And so we've got these opening lines that say, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. So let's just pause there, because there is an amazing truth about hope. Jesus is the hope that the Israelites were waiting for for thousands, if not the beginning of time when 
the serpent convinced Eve to eat the fruit. Adam took the fruit as well. There was a separation. And God gave the promise that though this has happened, there is going to be a savior that will make all things right. And ever since that moment, they have been longing for this Messiah, this message of hope that is brought. But notice in the language here that God sent the angel Gabriel, the big dog, the main dude, the big man coming into space to Nazareth. Now there's a comparison story in Luke chapter 1 with a story of John the Baptist. And these two stories are used as a foil for one another, that the angel went to Judea. But this, for the Savior, the Son of God, Gabriel went to, uh, to Galilee. Now, Galilee was a Providence area with Nazareth, is covered by uh, Gentiles and Romans, and it was just one of those kind of like, yeah, we don't want to talk about that place. In fact, Nazareth only and since 1962 have we actually found evidence that Nazareth actually existed. 1962 was the last time. It was found through another uh, archaeological find, and they mentioned the name Nazareth. Because Nazareth was this place that was a stop-through town, and even Nathaniel said, what good can come from Nazareth? Like, it was one of these places that you did not want to go. It's a corrupt town full of Gentiles and Romans. And so God chooses to go to that space. He chooses to go to this corrupt town. But not only that, he chooses to go to a, a home, a house, rather than a temple. Rather than some grandiose place, he goes to a house. And he doesn't choose a priest, he chooses a woman. And he doesn't choose a woman who has lived a wonderful life, full to the brim of amazing godly acts, a prophetess or anything of that nature. He goes to a teenager, someone who's hardly lived any years, and he chooses that person. And I the first point that hope is to us, it is a gift received. It's an amazing undeserved favor of God. Mary had done nothing to earn this, yet the sovereignty of God would say, I choose you. I choose you. And isn't that an amazing gospel message for you today? That for us, hope has come and it has chosen us. It has chosen the world. It says, this is a gift that I want you to receive. And the gift of hope comes to these people, those who need it most, the ones who are humble. They're not proud. They don't have it well put together. These are the people like Mary, who when the angel comes is just like, I'm trying to work out if you're trying to kill me or not, right? Like, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Like, I've just been living up to my teenage life. And in this moment, the gift of hope comes rushing through to those who need it most. A gift from God. A gift of grace. 
This amazing truth fills Mary's heart. In fact, if you just look in your Bibles over at verse 46, Mary's response after even meeting with Elizabeth some period of time afterwards, she celebrates with her song, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me he who is mighty has done great things for me and it kind of feels a little arrogant doesn't it though like generations are going to call me blessed but i wonder that actually if the gift of hope is fully received that we suddenly see who we really are see i think a lot of times confidence People mistake confidence sometimes for arrogance. But Mary knew who she was. Because she received the gift of hope, it transformed who she was. The hope of a poor teenage girl that just wanted to get through life probably and just have a couple of children and carry on the generational lineage. Like that was probably her expectation of hope. But this gift took the humble and elevated her for all of time. I think a lot of times the Catholics probably have it wrong in the sense of their elevation of Mary but how often do we just forget about Mary do we forget about the story of this simple woman who became amazing for all of us in this room we resonate with that as well we are simple people we are simple people that God says hope has come into your world but it's a gift you've got to receive and for many of us we let our circumstances lead the way and we say like I said last week we've got the Thanksgiving pie sorry if you don't like pie Thanksgiving pie and we just take a small sliver of it when God says I want to give you all the pie and this amazing woman of God set the standard for us that when hope comes into our worlds that we can be people that say I know I don't deserve it but God I need it And God, I receive it. And it transformed how she saw it because she truly embraced a gift. Now, when we receive gifts, I don't know how you receive them, but a lot of times we want to use them straight away. Like my kids, the great thing is it's it's kind of free childcare, what's happening on Christmas Day. And that's why I think you should give kids presents in the morning because once they've got that gift it is being used and you pray it doesn't break but it is constantly used and how funny it would be that we have received a gift from heaven yet we don't imply it to our lives that actually you are now transformed because of Jesus you have a hope that is undeniable that takes the simple of this world it takes the poor of this world and it elevates it to so much more you have that gift inside of you you have that gift yet we do not use it And we'd rather live this kind of subtle less and we don't receive the gift that God so badly wants us to live into in this gospel. So let's carry on reading. And it carries on. And so this amazing statement has been given, this promise of this king, this Messiah. And she responds this, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? How will this be? Not how can this be, but how will this be, which is an amazing statement of faith. But I love the answer, because if you were given an amazing promise, and you wanted to hope 
in this promise, what would you ask God to make sure this, this, what would you hope in to have this promise come about? So you've got a promise of, I don't know, more uh, things or a job opportunity. Yeah, so let's talk about a job opportunity, like a job opportunity. And you'd be like, God, I need some hope that this is going to work out. I need some hope that this is going to be a reality. And we would list a couple of things, right? We would list, I mean, even if you think about Mary, right? If she was said, hey, you're going to have the Son of God, I'd be like, okay, um, like a new house, bigger house, king, nice throne room would be pretty cool, I think. We can change the crib room, make it a cool throne idea. Um, Donkey was really painful riding here. Can we get horses? In fact, a carriage of sort would be really helpful to move around, right? And so the list would go on about external hopes that I would need validated that I have what is going on. I want to be validated that this promise, the Son of God, is going to happen. And the angel's answer to this is not the answer I don't think we would really want. This Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One will be born and will be called the Son of God. It's not the answer I'd be looking for. So you're saying, God, the hope will be birthed inside of me and that's it. Nothing else. No other validation or anything. Yep, that's what I'm going to give you for now. That's the, the hope you have. Because I think that is the greatest thing. A hope is a relationship within. So hope is a gift that we did not deserve that elevates us. It's a gift that uh, transforms us. But then this hope is also a relationship. Hope is not an external idea of change. Hope was birthed in Mary. Rather than the external realities changing, suddenly God said, I'm going to put something inside of you. And that is why relationship is hope. And so have you ever thought about how you hold on to hope? Is hope something that you try and take hold of? That you try and manufacture? You try and get a list of things in place and you're trying to grip. And so when you feel like you've lost your hope, it's because you suddenly realized that you were holding on to things that are crumbling in your hands. And the story narrative tells us that hope is a person. Hope is an experience. To each of us, to the experience, and that word overshadow, um, there's nothing sexual going on in this story. This same word overshadow that Luke uses is the same one that happens in Luke chapter 9 of when um, Jesus has the, the Mount of Transfiguration, when he goes up to the mountain and his face and whole being is transformed into like him and the disciples see him and the presence the cloud overshadows that's the reality of when the presence of God comes into our lives we are transformed and this is the truth here that the birth of Christ now that we follow Jesus we now have a birthing inside of us and let's be honest it would feel really nice if when we became a follower of Jesus that we got the car we got the house we got the job we got the healing right it would feel so good to kind of affirm that there is a god it would be super nice if we did it that way but god doesn't do it that way instead he births something inside of you john tyson says this we want affirmation but we are not in the conversation a lot of times we, have, we, we want affirmation, we want affirmation of hope, 
But if hope is a person, a relationship within, we need to be in the conversation. A lot of times when you're freaking out about the job situation, it's because you haven't had the conversation with God. If it's relationship, we have got to be people that are bringing before all our laments, all our pains, all our struggles, and say the only way that we are going to find real hope is within. I love this, that God cannot give us anything greater than himself. Let that statement sit for a moment. God cannot give us anything greater than himself. Like love, peace, joy, all those external realities are all byproducts of him. But so often we look for the manifestations rather than the personhood of Jesus himself. God cannot give us anything greater than himself. And so hope within is the greatest gift that we can give. It is the greatest gift that we can have. Hi there. Sadly, the online recording failed in the audio part. And so I just want to carry on our sermon just through this audio right here, this kind of story and final third part to this message. Carrying on with our point that hope is a relationship within. There's a story of Sasha, who is eight years old, diagnosed with a brain tumor. Her dad, Rolf, needed a word from God for this dark season. And it was one simple word that came to him in this dark moment, and it was hope. That one word exploded in his spirit. It was as though he suddenly saw the fullness of God had meant for us to understand about a living hope. It wasn't this kind of wishy-washy hope. No, I hope this will happen, but it probably won't happen. He said it was the sure, confident, positive hope, the way God designed us to live. Hope was placed not in an outcome, but in the Lord. Sasha too held on to hope, a hope that comes from the certainty of being in the palm of the hand of an all-loving God. Months would pass by, but no change to the situation. And sadly, Sasha would pass in the coming months. In the final two weeks of her life, she actually went blind. Ralph said, I remember lying in the bed saying to her, Sasha, do you ever see angels? She didn't have much energy to speak. And she said, faintly, no, Dad. Ralph said, I was disappointed. So I thought, we'll go in for the big one. Do you ever see Jesus? I asked. Of course I do. She responded, he holds my hand. The dream that she would be healed was shattered. But we're not disappointed with God, Ralph said. He hasn't changed. He still pours his love into our hearts. We don't understand her death. I doubt we really ever will. One day we'll know. These are the foundational principles of living relational hope. I share this story because for some of you, you do not realize that the hope you have was in the external circumstances. It wasn't actually in the person of Jesus. Sometimes things don't work out. 
we don't understand why. And for me and Rach, recently with uh, the diagnosis of Eliana with a seizure, um, we, or for me, I have found greater than ever at the bottom, a deeper relationship with Jesus. The outcome is still a journey of wanting to pursue Eliana's healings, wanting to see her made whole. But the greater gift I am finding is a personal relationship with Jesus, a deeper knowing of him. It's in a time of nights where we long for the light to shine. As we engage the dark things of life, we find this unshakable hope that is in a living, breathing relationship of Jesus. Hope is found within. Third and final point as we carry on in our readings here in Luke and uh, verse 35. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, as we said. Sorry, going down into verse 36. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And in this sixth month with her, who has been called barren. So there's this promise that's come alive and it is being confirmed through her cousin, Elizabeth. For nothing will be impossible with God. Amen. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Those final words, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. Hope is a promise surrendered to. Now, Mary knew the implications of this hope meant it would be inconvenient, at least. Uh, She would be rejected, misunderstood, because people did not understand, nor would we today, that somehow supernaturally, God would give a child to a woman who was a virgin. And Mary knew that living with this was going to require a sacrifice. It was going to require her surrendering to the way and the will of God. Hope says you won't be able to hold comfort and promise in the same space. We need hope for those things that seem impossible, that will make us look strange to other people. Um, I still believe in contending for healings. I still believe that God does miracle works today. And in some cases, it makes you look strange. But I want to tell you that God doesn't share your dreams, nor does he bless your dreams. Um, Now, this may sound very jarring to you or counterintuitive. Doesn't God love me? Doesn't God want the best for me? A hundred percent. But actually, he has a dream and a purpose for your life. He has a calling for your life. His name will be made famous, not yours. And so for us is actually the invitation that we must surrender to that plan and purpose. Mary is amazing, this woman, an amazing testament for us to all live by, that she had this stage, that she understood what hope was bringing, not only a gift, not only an unshakable relationship that would hold her true, but she understood that there was a need for her to surrender to the plan and purposes of God. Now, come back to the original point. Christmas is for those who hate it most. Why? Why is it for those who hate Christmas most? 
Why is Christmas for those who hate it most? Well, because the reality is that we, those who hate Christmas, have realised that they have lived under an illusion of a false hope. An illusion of maybe the gifts or the trimmings of this. These, these things that no longer bring us hope because there was never really hope in the gifts, in the material things of this world. Maybe even in the relationships. We suddenly realise that we have been living under an illusion what once brought us hope. And actually now we are free to recenter our hopes around a better gift, about a better relationship. To release control and pick up the yoke of relationship in Jesus. Maybe you've been striving to make your hope possible today. And it's time to receive the undeserved gift of hope that God wants to give you. He's got a better plan, a better purpose for you. And so if you find yourself today without hope, this could be the greatest gift. That you can recenter your hope around something that gives back to you and loves you more than anything else in this world. And I know that's not easy and these sound like nice words, but it is a journey of learning to surrender, to receive the gift that you have been given and declare it, that you are blessed, that there is a hope that goes beyond this world that Peter will say is untouchable uh, to this world that is stored for you. And it is coming from within the relationship with Jesus. Jesus now, as a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. And so hope is not an external thing, but it is a relational thing. But it does require you and me to say this, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your words. And so if you find yourself without hope, my prayer today is that you would recenter it in a relationship and say, God, I surrender to your way. Let me pray for you right now. God, I thank you for this gift that we did not deserve, this hope that came into the darkest moment and it comes to those who uh, need it most, who, and that is for all of us, we all need it most. It comes to the fringes. It doesn't come to the popular. It doesn't come to those well-known. It comes to the ordinary and every single moment. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful that it's not on external realities, but a relationship within. And God, as hard as it is right now, maybe there's something I need to give up. Maybe this disillusionment of hope that I once held is actually a gift. And actually, it, it gives me another opportunity, another layer, another peeling back of the onion skin to realise that my hope was placed in something that was not of you, God. And God, I want to repent and say, God, would you come recenter me back to the purposes of your design and your joy right now? In Jesus' name, amen.